Welcome to Radar Contact, the air traffic management podcast by Fox ATM. Today we have as a guest Vanessa Roulier. She's coming from the European Business Aviation Association. Uh, this organization is based in Brussels in Belgium. Vanessa, welcome to Radar Contact. Uh, could you tell us a bit about yourself and explain about the core activities of EBAA? Thank you so much. Thank you, Elena. Thank you, Fox ATM, for the opportunity to address a couple of points on ATM and to be able to introduce uh, my sector, the business aviation. I will start with introducing myself, if I may, and of course, so my company. Uh, I'm senior manager at the European Business Aviation Association. I joined the association seven years ago. Uh, at EBA, uh, I am in charge of all uh, related ATM issues. I cover all ATM files from the second European sky, CESAR activities. I represent uh, the business aviation in different working groups, for instance, at Eurocontrol or at the network manager. I am also in charge of all ATM uh, uh, communication, navigation, surveillance uh, dossiers. So also including the deployment of satellite-based uh, approaches in Europe, which is one of the key files for our EBA members. And previously, I worked as a manager, regulatory and social affairs for Canzo's European office. Uh, Canzo is the trade association for air navigation service providers. A few words also to introduce uh, my uh, association, EBAA. It is the leading organization in Europe for companies that operate in the business aviation industry. Um, the term business aviation refers to a non-demand means of transportation. It consists of a mixture of commercial and non-commercial services uh, from the charter to corporate flights and also including uh, medical flights. Business aviations provide a tailored, flexible, uh, and point-to-point -point air transportation for individuals, governments, and businesses, uh, but in the most time-efficient way possible. Uh, so we represent some around 700 members from different uh, countries in Europe and elsewhere. We represent the whole business aviation eco uh, ecosystem from plane makers to airport service providers, uh, cabin crew, and of course the uh, air um, business aviation operators. Uh, just two or three key uh, figures also to introduce uh, the business aviation. Uh, it offers 374,000 direct and indirect jobs in Europe. It also delivers uh, or en enables uh, 87 billion euro economic output. And uh, business aviation flight represents in Europe almost 8% of the total EFR traffic. So here, just in a few words, uh, what I do uh, and who we are. Wow, thank you so much. It, it really uh, brings clarity about business aviation because this term is 
uh, most of the time referred to as uh, gen well it's included in general yeah. aviation but it's uh, really it's interesting mm -hmm. if, if mm -hmm. you look at different figures and uh, if you look at how many members you represent it's really impressive so thank you so much uh, for the introduction Vanessa and now going a little bit more into the ATM side could you please cover why specifically is the European Business Aviation Association active in the ATM field? Yeah, sure. Uh, that's indeed a very important question. Um, I will start with explaining uh, the overall uh, framework for why uh, business or aviation operators are quite interesting indeed to follow ATM issues. It's mainly because they want to depart as quick as possible when the passenger is on board. So one of the EBA priorities is obviously to ensure flexibility Uh, ensure uh, uh, quite uh, smooth uh, traffic uh, and to maintain, to ease and even to improve the access to airports and to uh, the airspace. ATM is, is, is obviously a uh, part, a very important component of the overall infrastructure uh, and is so a natural priority uh, for, for EBA. ATM has been going through uh, different phases of restructuring Uh, and the ATM transformation in the scope of the single European Sky uh, package is really essential to avoid ATFM delays as we face it in 2019. Yeah, before uh, the pandemic. Indeed, indeed. Uh, but it's also currently uh, also very important to cope with the new key European priorities, namely the European Green Deal and the digital market. So I think that the ATM digital transformation is a must to build a more resilient, reliable, and sustainable system overall. That's why EBA calls on a, a defragmenting ATM, uh, rethinking the airspace configuration, the airspace design at all flight levels, meaning upper uh, airspace as well as lower airspace. And this is to reduce the change of flight levels and so the unnecessary flight burn being associated to this flight uh, inefficiency. This is also essential so for flying more direct routes, more efficient routes, I will even say, Uh, an efficiency that's really from an operational and environmental point of view. So, so here I would like just also to raise what we consider one of the key enablers for doing so, which is the PBN, uh, performance-based navigation, and EGNOS-based approaches, the so-called LPV approaches. Business Aviation Fleet has been a pioneer to get LPV capability uh, on board of the aircraft. And so uh, we are really uh, focusing and boosting, promoting the implementation of the EGNOS-based technologies, which is for us uh, really a vital tool to improve access and safety, so even a safer access to all airports and heliports uh, by providing precision approach capabilities in all weather conditions, and that without the need of an ILS of or another ground-based aid. And this so will contribute to reduce trajectory deviation and so unnecessary additional flu burn. So this is a key contributor to the delivery of uh, objectives regarding the European Green Deal. Yes, there, there's a lot of uh, initiatives from uh, the Commission level, but also uh, from different organizations. Uh, CESAR, one of them, the initiative to, to make the things... Uh, mm -hmm more efficient and it's nice to see that business aviation is also 
taking part in this. And could you tell us a little bit more of uh, what kind of activities uh, related to the ATM currently is EBA mm-hmm. involved in going further into more details? Yeah, sure. I, I will say that just as I said, in essence, I really follow all ATM related activities for EBA. Okay. But our main focus is rather on the technology part and operational part. So I closely follow, for instance, the evolution of the European communication navigation and surveillance mandates. Uh, We contribute in a way so uh, to show what we can deliver uh, and how we can contribute to the development of the future ATM solutions and procedures, uh, making sure that uh, these solutions which will be built for the future will feed our operational needs because one size doesn't fit all. And this is also why EBA is involved in the CESAR program um, to reflect that reality. Um, I will take another example. Uh, I will take the data link uh, mandate. Uh, the data link communication channels are used currently for both, for the AOC messages and for the ATS uh, messages. But the systems currently is already saturated. While aviation is paving its way, towards digitalization and data link is one of the key enablers for a lot of future uh, and current event digital ATM solutions. However, our operators, business aviation operators, face technical uh, issues with the existing uh, data link business aviation avionics. So that's why we are really now trying uh, to discuss as much as possible with the different European institutions and the other stakeholders of the of the industry to build the proper technologies uh, which will fit our needs uh, or their needs for building a proper communication uh, system uh, which will fit so our, our specific needs. It's uh, interesting to see that you go at that level of detail in the ATM as well. And now if we look at in general, uh, what are the specific needs of business aviation compared to the commercial airlines uh, when it comes to the ATM? One size doesn't fit whole. And just, just to give you just two examples, or we are a bit different from our colleagues from the main airlines, uh, I would say that the European business aviation fleet is equivalent to the airlines uh, fleet in terms of figures, because we have roughly the same amount of aircraft uh, uh, in Europe, um, but we vary very much in terms of type of aircraft. So the operational needs are really different from the type of aircraft that we use, but also in the type of um, flight operations that we uh, carry over. Business aviation offers a very operational flexibility. Uh, Business aircraft is able to operate from a very small runway, uh, small terrain, to big hubs. Uh, It can fly at very low altitude, as well as a very high altitude above the flight level 410. And business aviation aircraft operate worldwide, but also in many in all classes of airspace control and uncontrol, and it's always has to cope, of course, with the needs as well with the rest of the traffic, commercial aviation, state aircraft, and light aviation. Uh, so I will say that the business aviation acts really as a real uh, stimulus for innovation in ATM, uh, and is really even a major contributor to the change and are among uh, the early movers. Uh, this is, for instance, the case for the uptake 
of the uh, LPV approaches, and so the EGNOS-based uh, avionics. Um, but so, for instance, as well for the avionics, uh, the head of display and the announced flight vision systems, or also for flying steep approaches. Those are really some stuff that business aviations have been uh, among the most or the first ones uh, to use or to operate. But obviously, um, our members uh, will invest into solutions which will provide a positive CBA. And unfortunately, sometimes the CBA, the cost-benefit analysis for the business aviation community is far from being positive in comparisons to uh, the CBA for the legacy carriers uh, avionics. Uh, and even sometimes it's even negative. So here it's really important for us to contribute in, uh, uh, in different discussions forums but of course, also in the R&D ATM program, uh, the so-called uh, César, to reflect this reality in those uh, differences. Uh, and so to make sure, again, that the future technologies will fit uh, our needs. Thank you so much for clarifying this. Indeed, uh, it's often that we don't necessarily know that uh, business aviation has different needs from commercial aviation and all of the current programs in use, they probably need to be addressed differently depending on the business aviation or, or the commercial airlines. And now looking at all the current existing initiatives, what uh, is working well and what is not working so well in the ATM for the business aviation? Well, um, I will even start with um, really thinking again the European Commission, the European Union, in having uh, issued uh, the PBN implementing rule and the European navigation strategy. This is for us one of the most successful European regulatory stories. Really, really, really happy to have uh, to, to be able to, to cope uh, within that framework. Uh, but there are also, also very other uh, additional uh, positive elements. For instance, the free route. So the free route is uh, more and more implemented. Uh, there are also a couple of promising solutions, such as the remote towers, uh, the further deployment of LPV being combined with the head of display and announced uh, flight vision system solutions, which is still that need to be deployed and need some additional regulatory um, support to be really uh, further deployed. Um, I would also like also to mention that we have been uh, discussing a lot uh, and insisting to define the network as a whole with whole nodes, uh, both so taking into consideration the large and the small aerodromes. We have been discussing that with the Commission and the various EU institutions. And we can also indeed say that the, the network manager has been taking this point into account and uh, taking the need for better inclusive inclusion of secondary airports, and they are working on it. So this is really very positive elements from our side. There, but there are some elements to be further tackled, of course. Uh, if I may, uh, I would like just to raise the importance of working towards a more political commitments because there is a clear need to trigger member states' commitments throughout an harmonized implementation of the European regulations and towards an ATM reform to deliver a better service at a true cost. And it's something that is under discussions for a reform of the single European sky framework. So we, were, we are also really insisting uh, into that uh, debate to include that, th those points. 
and also to make sure that efforts must center on bringing all parties uh, involved together and to being committed to deliver. Uh, it should set the clear in a clear manner, roles and responsibilities of all parties, uh, including the different institutions, because the Commission counts on the support and the expertise of Eurocontrol, of EASA, of the CESAR John undertaking, and of the CESAR deployment manager. But we feel that clear leading role must be assigned to each of them in order to ease that transformation. Yes, it's indeed really complex. It's not easy. It's, yeah. And now if we talk a little bit about the differences between um, air traffic management in different parts of the world, for example, if we look at uh, the U.S. space mm -hmm. and their practices mm -hmm. and we compare them with uh, business aviation in, in Europe, what differences do you see there? Mm. That's a very tricky question, but um, an important one to answer. First of all, I will, of course, we need to recognize that the European airspace is really fragmented. Uh, and this is obviously due to the existence of uh, many different European countries. But uh, if you look at the difference in terms of efficiency, in comparisons with the FAA, there is a huge uh, difference. And so for us, there is so a, a really important room for, for improvement. The FAA implements a much more pragmatic approach uh, and takes really care uh, and in due consideration all business aviation needs and general aviation needs. So, of course, EBA calls on a more closer cooperation with the FAA, uh, as well as, by the way, with the other parts of the world, towards a real, a real global harmonization. That's more complex to coordinate, indeed. Um, so, it was really interesting to listen to the different aspects of business aviation and uh, how ATM is influencing uh, its development. So thank you so much for being our guest, Vanessa. Coming towards the end, the last question we would like to ask you, how do you see ATM evolving in the next five years and then in the next 50 years from now? Yeah, so or I will say that we can imagine that much more electric aircraft and hydrogen-powered air vehicles will be flying uh, in the sky in, uh, in 50 years. But that's for sure that changes are really required much earlier. At least it's the case in the ATM sector, since uh, today's ATM uh, technology is obsolete. Uh, the ATM reform has been progressing too slowly, uh, and it must involve at the much faster path. That's how we think. In particular, in consideration of the environmental and digital objectives. So, but hopefully, uh, I would say that in 50 years, uh, most of the ATM operations will be automated. We are also, we have been calling for a long time the implementation of an ADSB for all, uh, as long as it's based on affordable solutions for our colleagues from the GA. But so we hope that the ADSB for all concept will be in place. Uh, as well as uh, the all new uh, necessary data link uh, solutions. Hopefully as well, the access to and flying at high altitude will be uh, really much uh, easier or will be as easy as maybe uh, driving on the highway. Um, we also uh, hope that the self-separation will be uh, standard. Uh, and even maybe uh, the cockpit crew will be reduced one plus one pilot or even one pilot will become a standard. That, that, that's, the, that's something uh, we, we see uh, in, the, in the future. Uh, 
but which is for sure that the drone industry will pave the way for change and it will be even, I would say, in a certain way, impose the speed of change. That, that's it's something that, that we see. Uh, but anyway, after taking uh, the, 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 the crisis we have been, uh, we have been in, uh, that's anyway uh, forecasted that uh, aviation traffic will grow back slowly but surely uh, and will come back to uh, the levels of uh, 2019, around 2024, 2025. Uh, and some forecasts also show that most of the increase in traffic will be swallowed by regional airports. So, um, and it will so, for sure uh, enable to uh, alleviate traffic from at the major airports. So we see, and we, we see the importance of um, developing solutions uh, to improve the access to those uh, regional airports. Yes, indeed, uh, it's, uh, it will be interesting to see how the dynamics will change uh, and if they will change from the hubs to the regional airports. Uh, yeah. Indeed, that's an interesting point to look at. Uh, Vanessa, thank you so much. It was a pleasure to have you as a guest. Thank you. This was Radar Contact. Visit foxatm.com or your favorite podcast platform for more.